and welcome to another live edition of our encounter study. We are down at the center in Memphis because we have our ministry council meetings. So, keep, well, by the time you get this, it'll already be over. But uh, anyway, so prayerfully, uh, everything went well. <laughs> right. And we solved all the problems in the Cumberland Presbyterian Church. That's right. That's what we're here for. Right. So our uh, lesson today will be for August 28th. And it's going to be from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. It's going to be over wisdom and uh, our prayer for illumination today. Holy Spirit, pour out upon us wisdom and understanding that being taught by you in Holy Scripture, our hearts and minds may be open to receive all that leads to life and holiness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Right. And, and, and wisely, you should click the like and subscribe button. Like and subscribe button. Yeah, that, that's your wisdom nugget for today <laughs> our memory verse for today is consider the work of god who can make straight what he has made crooked that's from ecclesiastes seven thirteen. all right yeah. since i am the host today Ooh. i get to ask you the question who uh -oh. is the wisest person you know and what makes them wise oh well okay honestly this is not a setup the one of the wisest people i know is actually you Oh, well, so. knew that. <laughs> that was taken for granted. Yeah, sure, sure. And what makes you wise? Um, I think both your biblical and theological knowledge, as well as your practical application and just worldly wisdom. Worldly wisdom. Yeah, just understanding that what makes people people, hmm. and and how to how you can take the the biblical theology learning and apply it to their situations and lives. So I think that's. That's what makes you a very wise individual. Gotcha. That was not a setup. I promise. We did we did not discuss this ahead of time. Um, for me, one is of he the, blushing yet? Yeah, right. A little bit. I do that well. <laughs> um, one of the wisest people I know. Uh, I have talked about a lady named Mary Lou um, mm. in the past. Uh, she was at the Bible College. Anyway, update on that. She passed away uh, two oh, weeks I'm ago so now. Sorry. She was ninety. I think ninety-two years old. But anyway. Um, when I was thinking about that question, I don't have my right encounter with me. Um, I would say I met three people at the Bible College, um, two of the professors, Mary Lou, um, mm -hmm. that 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 I considered wise. And I get parents are yeah. all, a lot more wise Hopefully. as you get older. Yeah, they we've, become we've wiser. About that. Yeah, we've talked about that on several times. But yeah, as as, as I've gotten older, my parents. Or just, I mean, my parents are incredibly well-versed and just understanding how the world works and offer good advice. And I pray and hope that that as I age and go through things that I also have that wisdom to share with my children, you know. And, and I think sometimes what makes it wise is understanding when it's okay to offer advice to people and when it's okay not to. Up. You know, because sometimes you get into conversations with people and you want to say, well, have you done blah, 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 blah. And sometimes I think what makes people really wise is just knowing when to speak and when to not speak. Yeah. Like sometimes if you're in a conversation with somebody and you want to offer them advice or, or give them a piece of wisdom or give them some guidance, you have to be wise enough to know that that whatever you're about to say is going to shut them down completely. Yeah. They're just going to get really upset that you offered 
you know, cause they didn't, they didn't ask you for it. You're, yeah. They weren't soliciting you for, for information. And a wise person knows that sometimes you just have to be silent. Yeah. That is part of wisdom. Giving, giving advice. Yeah. Um, that's part of the wisdom of being a pastor or a Sunday school teacher is reading people. Yeah. Yeah. Just understanding people and, and what it is reading between the lines. Really, just understanding people and their, their personality differences. Gotcha, gotcha. Since yeah. I'm hosting, I get to push this off on you now. So, um, what is it Gosh. that uh, you read in here that uh, strikes your fancy? Well, first, I really liked how Doctor Estes pointed started off with just the word "imparted." Like, what does that mean to impart something onto somebody else? Um, and and sharing important. He says. He says a word we don't often hear today that conveys the notion of sharing important counsel or wisdom. And, and I think he's right. I, I don't think we impart enough. I think we try to offer advice or, or maybe just some guidance, but maybe when we sit down with people, we really need to discuss this whole idea of imparting wisdom. Like how do we share this wisdom? And I think you know, when I talk to my kids, of course, younger generation, you know, they grow out of that. Thankfully, I grew out of that, right? <laughs> Thankfully, we grow out of that at some point in time in our life. But when you're a certain age, like trying to impart wisdom on the young people, they just look at you and like, well, you're old and, and you don't know anything, you know, but then they can't, there comes to a point in their life where they realize, you know, maybe, maybe some of those things that you shared. Yeah were were incredibly valuable and very important so that that's one i think um that i really liked out of this so i think uh it's kind of like a philosophy of christian education so probably in the yeah. church that you're at um your christian education isn't as strong as it was 50 years ago and some of that is because the way we do christian education changes i think when you impart wisdom it is something similar to discipleship in the first century so like the disciples lived with Jesus, saw what Jesus did, how Jesus lived, what Jesus said, and they weren't just taking a class, they were living. And I think that's how we impart wisdom to our children. Right. And in, and that shortcuts the, oh, I don't have to listen to you or you're stupid or whatever, just over the course of time. Um, one, of, one of my Bible college professors says a lot of times wisdom is caught. You don't even know what's happening. Like, right, it's just, it, that's, you're learning as you go and and you see people and you see somebody living life well, and then you see somebody living life not well, and right. you see the difference. And, and then just through doing. Um, so I think um, imparting wisdom is different than just teaching. Imparting wisdom that's, is, is yeah. definitely uh, a bigger concept. I, should say. I think that's a great point. That's a really good um, analogy to use as far as how we impart wisdom on people. There's, you know, there's that old saying that, that sometimes our parents like to say, and I think we've said it as parents as do as I say, not, not as, as I, I do, do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and maybe that's not, that's not terribly wise because no. I think if you exemplify, if you show people what that looks like in your own life, that's part of catching because yeah. you're, you're sharing that through, through your own actions and, and what you're doing. But if you're just telling people be a good person and live yeah. a good life, but you're not living that way, then how is that sharing your wisdom? So. Hmm. I wanted to bring up one thing here. Well, one of the one of those sharp phrases or phrases in Ecclesiastes that shake us a little bit is when uh, Doctor Estes is talking about in this first paragraph where he says, "You know, a good name is better than fresh 
precious ointments. But mm-hmm. the next phrase kind of shakes us. The day of death is better than the day of one's birth. And yeah. it says that's not right according to conventional wisdom. And for whatever reason, in, in um, maybe it's because of the book of Job, I'm just, I've thought about this. And I think um, one of the shortcomings of humanity is that we can't imagine, obviously, the goodness that happens when we pass away. And we're caught in this, mm. we're caught in this thing to where this world is great. Like you get your kids and you get to eat dinner with your friends and your family. And, and, and maybe we have a lack of imagination about how great, how really, truly, honestly great it will be to be in heaven. Like maybe. just because we don't, I don't know. So, so when, um, Koheleth says better the day of one's death and the day of one's birth. We can't right. imagine that, but maybe it's because our imagination just isn't big enough. And that's something we should ask, pray about because I mean, heaven should be good. Right. Like amazing. It should be amazing. I think, you know, and, and I don't think heaven, I'm not sure really what heaven looks like, but the mm-hmm. one movie that always caught my attention in that regard was um, the Robin Williams film. Was that what dreams may come? Oh, what dreams? Yeah, that was, I mean, just that whole fantastical just expression of, of beauty and joy yeah. and that you get to see on the other side. Maybe it's really interesting. Yeah, and we don't think about it often. We always we just say, you know, heaven is this and this, but man, I don't know. Maybe some yeah. meditation on that would be yeah. bad. Yeah, maybe not. You know, but leading from that in the next paragraph, the other thing that I thought was really interesting is it's been suggested that the writer takes the view that a person's true worth is not fully realized until after their death. And I think that's true. That's true. I mean, if you look at great artists, you know, who have struggled their entire life to put food on their table and make ends meet, then after they pass away, become this amazing name and everybody's seeking after their artwork. Um, you know, writers are the same way. Yeah, writers. You know, I mean, we just had um, Olivia Newton-John just passed away here shortly. So I'm sure all of her, all of her memorabilia yeah. and records and whatever are probably going to be going for way, way, way big dollars now that she's not here with us anymore. Lots but, of money. Yeah. You know, sometimes we don't realize the value of a person and, and the contributions that they make to our communities and to society as a whole until after they're gone. And then we're like, you know, they were, they were pretty awesome people, Yeah, you know? And, and so for the long haul kind of thing, like people can do well in this life short periods of time, but then like Ecclesiastes talks about, uh, you know, over the years, mm-hmm. uh, you have that rhythm, right. Of, of like, uh, time to be born, time to die. Sure. Kohela says things like sorrow is better than laughter, these kind of things. Um, the heart of the wise in the house are better. What is it? He says, but Kohela says it finished. Sorrow is better than laughter, he declares. And the heart of the wise in the house of mourning, while the heart of fools is in mirth. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that maybe uh, like wisdom is proved over time in going through these cycles of mourning and joy. And can you? How is it Rudyard Kipling? If you can keep your head while about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you, then, you know, like when you go through life and you can, you can stay steady, you use your wisdom to live in these extremes of laughter and sorrow, joy and mourning and all that jazz. I think that that's part of of maturity and wisdom. Yeah, I, I would agree with that entirely. All right. What else you got there? Um, I think the next paragraph down, there's a couple of things that really stuck out to me here. It says, Kohala, I know 
means ignores God's majesty and providence, but he strives to understand the meaning of human life based on the basis primarily of our earthly experience. Mm -hmm. And then the last sentence is other words, God's creative power and profound design far exceed any human being's capacity to puzzle it out still without a sense of God's purpose. All does indeed seem to be vanity. And I, I think that's true. We don't often sit you know, I, I think I love to because I'm a very imaginative, creative person. And the more I learn about, I love natural sciences, right? Really into earth science and that sort of stuff. And the more I learn about God's even, like if you take colonies of ants, yeah. they're tiny, they're little, but the power that they have in their numbers and, and the way that they work together to create this little colony of little insects and the profound impact that they have on the environment in, yeah. in their vicinity to me that just amazes me more about god's creativity and the profoundness of the universe the more i learn about earth science the more i learn about physics the more i'm just fascinated with how amazingly creative our god is but i i don't think we really ponder that enough no, I don't think so. And then I think the way he wraps that up is that within a, without a sense of God's purpose, all of this seems yeah. to be vanity. I mean, like, without a sense of God or perspective that that God's in charge and, and God's creating mm -hmm. this great thing, it's easy to step on an anthill. Yeah, and, and, not, and, even and not even think about it. That is totally true. And then if you carry that to its ultimate expression, what are, you know, like the psalmist says, what is humanity that you're mindful of? of them mm -hmm. or the son of you know, men that mm -hmm. you, you know, I, I think that's true. But when at the very minute detail, God is, God's amazing. God has a purpose for things and everything, Forever. everything's purposeful. So right. it, it doesn't have to be bad. If you see it right. right. Even the mosquitoes. I'm so sorry. I don't <laughs> like them either, but there is a purpose. <laughs> right. Um, but I don't like them. In that last paragraph of the introduction section, uh, I just like the phrase, you know, wisdom is as good as an inheritance. And I mm -hmm. think that's, that's, that's definitely edifying. And I think it's right. And then, uh, and then again, I like, uh, God has made human beings straightforward, but they've divide, divided, devised many schemes. Yes. I mean, that's what we do. It's the garden of Eden. That's trying to be like God without having to be obedient. Yeah. Without having to do the hard things. Absolutely. And that unfortunately is foolishness. Yes. So it's not wisdom. Sure. No. All right. Anything else on the introduction section? No, I think that was it. Well, was a really good introduction to is. think about wisdom and what that means in our lives. So let's explore the scripture, okay. the historical and contextual setting. Mm -hmm. What have you got on that? Um, I think the one thing that I want to start with is perspective is rather the more general experience of humanity and the quest for that which makes us better, happier life. It ponders life with sensible, moderate approach, resisting extremes. And I think that is something we often lack, especially right in our divided nation right now, is we don't take the time for perspective. We only want people to Nuance. agree with our opinion and how we see things and our side instead of taking a step back and go, okay, why is it that you're seeing it from this angle or why do you see it this way? Or how is it that you've come to this conclusion and, and being able to have a conversation? 
And I think that's what Kohalath is doing through Ecclesiastes is we're trying to get perspective. He's looking at it from several different angles and trying to say, okay, from this side, it looks like this. And from this side, it looks like this. And, and the only way to come to a conclusion is that you have to look at it all the way around and look at it from all the angles where you can get the perspective that you need. Yeah. I think, so the biblical, um, purpose of wisdom is for human flourishing. Yes. It's not just, and so that, uh, where it says that which makes for a better, happier life. I mean, again, we're not prosperity gospels, but we're also not supposed to be miserable on this. No. We're supposed to be. Enjoy it. And we're intended to fly, yeah. right? Like, uh, and so a life of flourishing does not look like um, a constant battle for, and he's going to go into this. And this, so I thought about this section. I've told y'all before in the past, I broadcast one of my favorite scriptures is don't be too righteous. Don't be too wicked. Uh-huh. Destroy yourself. Uh-huh. And I think that that's a, man, that's an awesome verse for today. And, and you can take it and twist it, but it's not really supposed to be twisted. It just yeah. simply means live a life of flourishing. You don't have to debase yourself all the time to prove a point. You don't have to debase other people right. to prove a point. Uh, we can flourish and we can disagree. Um, and, and I don't know, the trick to it is we are supposed to be fanatical in the sense of in our love for Christ. Yes. We're supposed to be very extreme in our love for Christ. But that's supposed to play out in a flourishing life, not a life of anger and not a life of demeaning other yes. people or, or whatnot. So yeah. um, I think that's where we get to in that that, uh, that verse. But fanaticism that's not based in love is, you know, extremism. It's yeah blowing things up. Right. Fanaticism based in love is... Mother Teresa, it's St. Francis of Assisi. Yeah. You know, it's, it's and what those a huge wise impact people these people made. Yeah. You know, I mean, because they were so compassionate, loving. I think one of the things that I really took out of this beginning paragraph here, again, talking about don't being too self righteous and don't be too wicked either, is that one thing that we forget is that everybody is on their own path yeah. and everybody's on their own portion of the path. So, where I am today is not where everybody else is going to be. They're, they're not going to have gained the wisdom that I've gained because of my life experiences and what God has revealed to me. I had a great conversation one time with one of my um, parishioners, much older than me, twice my age, you know, uh, very well versed in scripture, incredibly intelligent man. And he was, he was explaining something to me that he felt that God had showed him in scripture. And to, to be fair, this man liked to argue. Okay. I mean, that was, that was his thing. He really liked to argue about stuff. And I knew this, I didn't see the scripture that way. It wasn't something that I had learned. It wasn't something that I saw. And I just said, you know, I think it's awesome that God has showed you this. Yeah but that's not where I am today. So I can't agree or disagree with you on this point. I mean, I see where you're coming from and why you feel that way, but I'm, I'm not there. And we just left it alone. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, well, okay. And, and just left it alone because it was, I'm not on the same path. I mean, he had twice my age worth of, of scripture and knowledge and study than, than I had. So that's just not where I'm at. And we have to remember that not everybody's 
in the same spot with you, that they're still learning and still growing and God's still revealing things to them at the right moment at the right time, you know, and that's why we can't be too self-righteous. No, and nobody likes it. No. <laughs> uh, when I think about that passage too, I've been thinking about this, maybe, uh, was it Footloose about the town where like nobody's allowed to dance? Yeah. Baptist, and then, I mean, we're made to dance, right? Yeah. And so a lot of times when it's this don't be overly righteous it's kind of talking not 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 about you can't be overly loving you can't be overly you know graceful sure but a lot of times i think what co-health is talking about are these human and cultural restrictions that we place on things yeah so like in the south maybe it's the not drinking not dancing you know in the north more like for some reason you could smoke in the south in church you know plus, right you can't do that up north but you couldn't do that up north no. and, and it might be because that the south really ran on some tobacco farms. sure but the point being is is that it but that footloose maybe he's kind of like you know all the parents are like y'all oh, can't dance mm-hmm. but it's fun to dance and and so don't be so uh overly righteous that you can't see the, the things which you were created to, to do mm-hmm. like dance and enjoy you know, people obviously take dancing maybe a little too far. And so that's your in between. That's where it's being reasonable. And I think that's where Kohalath is getting to is again, you need to have that perspective. You need to really look at it from all angles, not be too self-righteous where you have so many pharisaical laws that, you know, it's ridiculous, but not be too wicked where you're completely ignoring God. Yeah, and I think that bottom paragraph. Yeah, thing, I think that before we go too far, I think that hits the reflection question. What do we understand by being not too righteous or not being too righteous or not being too wicked? I think mm-hmm. there's a a lot of times it's focused on not the word; it's focused on what we associate. Sure. And I think that's where we got to be real careful because you know a lot of times the culture of faux pas is there for a reason. Right. So you don't want to flaunt it. But you also don't want to be completely held in by it if it's over the top. Because you're here for flourishing and for some fun. But so then it comes down here where Dr. Estes sums up things, all things in moderation. Um, Again, but but again, be careful about that because, like, all things in moderation, you should never steal. No. Like, you should should be like, oh, that would be wrong. Don't do that. Right. And so, like, uh, so not all things in moderation. That's what I'm trying to say. Part of wisdom is saying, this isn't really essential. Yeah, I should, you shouldn't go crazy. You know, whatever that is, dancing is a good example. You know, mm-hmm. um, but I like on the on the pretty much the last paragraph. You know, cut people slack and cut yes. yourself slack. Yes. Right. Like um, my dog is terrible. He's old. He can't. No, I'm not talking about the one y'all normally not see. Not Leo. Not Leo. I'm talking about my 14, almost 15 year old dachshund that like now if he stands up, he's got to pee all over the floor. Like. Would it be, I mean, like, why would I get mad? Right. I mean, at that point, you know, 15 years old, I'm glad he can still stand. Right. And so, like, I can be completely righteous or, you know, expect that dog, you know, wait till you go outside. But who who am I trying to fool? Right. right? Like, what am I, what point am I proving? I think about my children when they are growing up, they did some terribly stupid things, things I did. And like, how can, how mad can I get at them or how, you know, people's like, people got to grow. And, and where yes. you are now is not where you're going to be. Exactly. Right. So, like, I think that's another thing. Exactly. So, yeah. And, and that's a great example because I think my kids, 
are, you know, my kids are now in their early twenties and they're doing things that I wish they probably wouldn't do, you, you know, but at the same time, I recognize that I did those things myself. And the only way you can learn sometimes is, is, is the hard way by doing things and recognizing that that's dumb. That was dumb. Yeah. Let's not do that again. Let's not repeat this, but yeah. So I think, I think we've hit on the reflection question, yeah. but did you want to add anything else or? No, I think it's, okay. I think it's about balance. I think it's, you know, again, just understanding that, that there are things that obviously you don't do like steal or murder or, you know, awful things like that, yeah. but then there are yeah, just a little murder is okay. Yeah. Moderated, moderated murder is you know, fine. So that doesn't make any sense either. Premeditated. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no. So there's there's some things wisdom we know the difference. Yes. Right? There's there's no way to moderately, you know, knowingly commit sin. <laughs> you know, you know. Yeah, anyway. Exactly. Um, so the digging deeper section. Uh-huh. Um what do you got? Um, okay, so I really liked the probably the about two-thirds of the way down that first paragraph. It says, most of us would go for correction over being struck, but we get the idea. Ecclesiastes is acutely aware of the limitations of the human understanding, so he is open to correction of others. I love this because, again, we have a problem with that in today's world. Well, I don't think that's that's been... Well, that's true. That's true. You know, I mean, but at the same time, if we're a follower of Christ, we need to understand that God corrects us, right? Well, there's humility. That's that's the key, I think. That is the key because that's the next thing I had highlighted. Yeah. Is that there is there's the humility of Kohalath throughout Ecclesiastes to say, I have done X, Y, and Z. Yeah. And I recognize. What, why, you know, why did I do all this stuff? It was vanity because the ultimate, the ultimate thing is the fear of the Lord for him. You know, that's where it really comes down to. And I think it's the understanding that we as followers today need to have some humility and recognizing that, you know, we may not be right about everything. Yeah. That's how you grow. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's the point of, of Ecclesiastes is, that he grew through time and, and through him yeah. and through trial and, and being error. rebuked. Like yeah. my, I remember I would be so hard headed as a kid, just so hard. What? And my, yeah, my dad you? would try to be like, here's how this works. I'm like, that's not how it works. old man. <laughs> right. But then at the same time, I would be frustrated because things wouldn't go the way I wanted to. Sure. And, and my dad would, you know, cause my dad's a jerk sometimes. Sorry. But <laughs> Sorry, dad. how's that, you know, How's that working out for you? And, you know, it's working out terrible. Right. And so, like, you know, that's part of humility is to be able to take the advice of some somebody, or at the very least, once yeah. you discount everybody's advice, once life is terrible, don't double down and act like it's great because it's not. You know, it's yeah. it's the humility to be able to take reproof or rebuke and then and become better and flourish because yeah. you're not doing the stupid things. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's that's really, and he continues on with this humility brings you that balance. Yeah. You know, and, and we've talked about this before, I think, in the last couple of weeks, that it's about balance. It's about being able to look at things in this world and say, okay, you know, that that's too strict and nobody's going to listen and this is not good. So there's something, you know, there's something in the middle here that we need to do. 
I also think that uh, the purpose of this scripture and what Dr. Estes is trying to say is um, part of wisdom is then also acknowledging that the world's wisdom isn't heavenly wisdom. Correct. And so he, he starts by saying that there's nine things that are described as good or better. And I tried to look and I think I've got them a, a good name. All right. Mourning is better than rejoicing. Uh-huh. Sorrow is better than joy. Uh, a rebuke is better than, uh, so I forgot what it is. Wisdom is better than ignorance. Death is better than life. Like I said, you know, the day of your death is better. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, being patient in spirit is good. Don't say the former days are better than these days. Man, we're really bad right? about that. And one. then uh, it's good to take hold of, you know, the moderation. Basically, is right. what he's saying. Those are the nine. And when I was reading through these, a lot of these are echoes of the uh, beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the mourning, the sorrow, right? The, mm-hmm. the patience, you know, and spirit. Humility, meekness. Yeah. yeah. And so, throughout this, then Doctor Estes and the rest of page eighty-eight talks about the the upside-down wisdom of the cross, right? Of the kingdom. So, part of being wise. And part of the impartation of wisdom is to be able to look at things from a heavenly point of view, not a earthly earthly point of yeah. view. And so, this, so these things are hard. It's, but if you don't have a spiritual life, if you don't have any spiritual thoughts at all, if you don't have a thought of eternity in heaven, mourning is never better than joy. Sure. Sorrow is never better than joy. Dying is never better than living. Right. Right. The former days are, I don't know. If you didn't, if you didn't believe in eternity could convince yourself that tomorrow is going to be better because that's all you got left sure so i don't know sure um yeah but maybe not i mean what if you're like terribly Ill? yeah you could be a pessimist you know? too. I mean, yeah. but anyway yeah. i think that uh there's something worthy i think of thinking about this chapter in the context of the beatitudes um and this wisdom that paul talks about that wisdom from mm-hmm. above or the cross yeah foolishness to those who are perishing but it's you know yeah. wisdom for those who are being saved absolutely I think one of the things I did appreciate about Dr. Estes was that he reminded us again that the, that Koheleth has no knowledge of Christ. So he's looking at it from a very humanistic point of view. So he's struggling. So maybe that's why he's struggling, but he knows, he knows that there's a wisdom that can't be accessed unless it's imparted or revealed by God. Right. And so what he has ascertained is that, what the world says is valuable is not it's what not. God says is valuable. Right. But he's trying to figure that out. Put that puzzle together. Yeah. And for us on this side of the cross, we have that opportunity of understanding that, that Jesus is, is our revealed, yeah. you know, that he clarifies. Yeah. Now we see, yeah. we see Jesus saying that blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted and blessed are the poor in spirit, for, mm-hmm. you know, so that's a little bit, Mm-hmm. Maybe. All right. So, you know, the discussion question is a good yeah. discussion question. Um, I don't want to spend a lot of time on it because yeah. that's something, you know, that didn't require any technical analysis. But I would just say street smart, street smart. It's really fun in my life. Uh, I get to, uh, well, at least at the Margaret Hank Church, we were in just a weird position to where there was a lot of upper to upper middle class people that went to the church combined with um, some of the um lower middle class or you know, whatever you want to call lower class poor or whatever whatever low dignity income. low income um and then we had people who were like you know like parent scholars one of, you know like one of the kids ended up at west point and that's then, amazing 
right? And then some of them, you know, none of none of my congregation went to jail except for the secretary. But that's a long story. Uh, and then there we were won't, we won't get into yeah, that. But there were some genuinely wise people there that I learned yeah. some. And so, like, it was neat to see all of those combined. And so the street smart kids and the street yeah. smart people, but then also the you know I had professors from the from the college. They were very book smart, but they could they couldn't have lasted two seconds. Two seconds yeah. on the streets where those you know other kids came from, and then the elders who were really wise and their generosity toward those who saw it wisdom is really neat. But there is a difference, you know. You yes. got that street smart to survive. You got that book smart that will help give you knowledge. Yeah. Then you got that wisdom that that is important. That's good. That yeah. kind of puts all all of that together. All of it, and I think all of it's important. Yeah, you know, each one is important. So. All right. Learning from the scripture. Mm-hmm. Witness of the church. What you got there? Love your neighbor. Yeah. Love your neighbor. I, I love how he puts that. Love your neighbor was essential, but Jesus took it further. But I say to you, love your enemies. Oh, oh. And pray for those who persecute you. That one really stuck out to me because that is something, again, that's that upside down kingdom yeah. that Jesus calls us to live apart from the world. Because the world tells you, hate your enemies and persecute them worse than they're persecuting you. But that's not what Christ has called us to do. It's to love people irregardless. I would also say that's that. So that's the epitome of wisdom. Fear God, keep his commandments, love God, love neighbor. Yeah. Like if you're a wise person, those are the things that you you were going to, your goal, you might not excel in because you, because it's never a. Sure. Your story's never ended, but like, yeah. um, and and then you can, in order to fulfill that, you can be street smart. You can you can get um, more book knowledge. Yeah. You can get you know, and and your religious knowledge. So like everything is at your disposal to love God more, to love your neighbors more, and that's the goal. Like that's, that's how like, you know if you're is, wise or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, so is when you can love people. Just, just love people, you know, and and that is hard because people are, people are people. I mean, we've been people the whole time, you know, we, we, our technology has changed, but our attitudes, our personality is, you know, the way we treat other people who are different from us, that, that has not changed. We have been like this forever. And it's very unfortunate because we allow the enemy to work within us. And use us as tools against one another instead of looking at other human beings and recognizing that they too are a beautiful creation of God. Yeah. You know. Okay. Now, one thing that I did want to highlight because actually I think this is one of the best ways I've ever heard it explained. Okay. Okay. So, like, Kohelith is like Job in the sense of rejects the do good, good things will happen, be bad, bad right. things will happen. Um, and I really did like that last paragraph on 89. Um, a God-fearing person who avoids reckless behavior is not apt to drive while intoxicated or put others at risk when ill. But such an individual may still be involved in a tragic accident or succumb to a disease. And I think that's true. Like, you're righteous, so you're not going to cause a wreck. You know, you're not going to get to drinking and then drive home and kill somebody. But you could be the one killed. Yes. Because you Absolutely. were the righteous person. Right. You're right. Right. Like, and uh, and yeah. so I think, and, and I guess I've never really thought about it that way. Um, 
but it, it, it makes sense. And so wisdom also allows for the fact that, and junk happens. Like, so yeah. like, uh, I think we've said this before, like generally if you live well, yeah, you're going to be blessed. Generally speaking. Generally. But that's not, not all the time. Not 100% guaranteed. Generally speaking, if you're a stinker, nobody's going to really want to hang around you. Sure. But again, not 100% guaranteed. Not 100%. You could be a charismatic stinker. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so anyway, I, you know, as a Sunday school teacher, I think I would I would think about that. Yeah. Um, but that's a good way to explain it. What else you got on that? I, I really like, too, that, again, Kohelet this whole time is really struggling, yeah. you know, trying to, to make sense of everything around him. And Dr. Estes points out that Koheleth is a realist. He's not content with religious platitudes. So he's not looking at it as, again, like with Job, if you're a good person, then you're going to be blessed. Or if you're a bad person, bad things are going to happen to you. He he recognizes that this is not always true, that there, there are things, good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And it's just the way the world works. And he is struggling through this, trying to understand why. Yeah. Why does this work? Because the the, relig- the religious group of the time, the religious thought process of the time was saying that if you're, if good things are happening to you, then you're a good person. And if bad things happen, then you're a bad person. And he recognizes that through his life, through his trial and error, through his great wealth and everything that he's bought and everything that he's done, but that's not always true. No. And while I'm thinking about it, maybe also what Koheleth and uh, Job is trying to do is to stop us from thinking I'm being good so that I can be blessed. Right. Right. Yes. Okay. So maybe they're trying to say, no, it's just your connection with God. This is what matters, good or bad. Naked you came from in the world. Naked you'll depart. Mm -hmm. How can you accept the good without the bad? Right. The point of life is to be close to God, not the... not the benefits or the blessings. No. That's not the point. Although they're it's, better than not. Sure. But the relationship. Or that, that connection that you have. You know? I mean, that's... that's. Let me know. stir this pot. Oh, boy. Here so it comes. So is Kohelet a misogynist? How'd you do there, um, women's director? Mm-hmm. I, I skipped over that because I don't want to talk. No. Um, I don't know if Kohalath is a misogynist. I also have to go back and think about how women were thought of in that time period. I don't. I've got. I've got an explanation okay. for this. One. Okay. Because um, women were not not well thought of. You know, I don't even think it's that. Here's what I think it is. Coming from coming from a man male perspective here, right? Which they know. Kohelet could be a worthless piece of trash. I don't know, but we don't know. I have seen this in my children, especially the boys. I've seen it in the girl though too. I, I I bet if a if a woman was writing this, she could have the exact same line. Sure. Oh, sure. And so, like I've seen the girls slash ladies, depending on when my children how old they were at yeah. the time. Uh, one of them going through school lost his ever loving mind. They couldn't do one thing right because of. Because of a girl. Couldn't do nothing right. Oh, I just God. changed his name to Can't Get Right. <laughs> and then and then he started dating a girl that was an amazing girl. And he was amazing. Right. You know, because so I think what Koheleth, because you'll notice if you remember, this is another reason why I think this would be Solomon. Solomon got in trouble because yes. Because his heart was led away. Yes. Because of the 
the women. Well, so and that I, was his own fault. It was absolutely that his was own, fault. own fault. So I've seen guys ruin their lives in the pursuit of love. Sure. And then I've also seen uh, guys redeemed because of good love. Yeah. And so I think maybe this might be just maybe, you know, Kohelis was just having a bad day. He wanted to blame somebody. Sure. Well, he had, what, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Something, yeah. Okay, I mean, so like, there's a thousand women right he there. He had a lot of opportunities to get spurned, but, I mean, he was sure. the king, too. So. But he was also making political and territorial binds, yeah. you know, and, and expanding his territory through all of these, all of these, uh, marriages and that sort of thing and it's not but, as if he was talking about the virtues of men because he was like look there's no. only like one i've ever found that's right. worth anything exactly you know so, and who knows who that was i'm just know. thinking he was a lover spurn the night yeah, he wrote probably. this <laughs> that, that's entirely possible that is entirely possible so i don't know if he's a misogynist or not maybe he just succumbed to a bad um cultural issues yeah. <laughs> No, I get it. I will leave that up to everybody yeah. Sunday school yeah. to battle out. But my theory is a good one about it. It is a good yeah, theory. I, I do like it. I would say this. We talked about this a little bit, but I'll go ahead with the discussion question uh, and try to answer that. What does it mean that humans are straightforward, but we devise many schemes? I think that, you know, the gospel message is really simple, but we try to make it complicated. Yeah, everything good, we try to destroy. Yeah, we do. You know, I mean, it was really simple in the garden. You have all of this, just not that one. Yeah. And and we made a hot mess of it because we wanted to define good and evil for ourselves. And and I think the same thing happens in life. Life is pretty straightforward. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're a good person, be a good person, treat people with respect, love your neighbor, love God with everything you are. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. But then we start adding in all these rules and regulations. And, we do that with the gospel. But itself, yeah. if yeah. here, da, 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 you know, and, and we make it incredibly yeah. complicated. Like, so somebody comes to you, if I believe in Jesus Christ, I'm saved. Yes. Okay. But, but you have to do this form of baptism. You can't do this. Mm-hmm. You do this, this, this. Yeah. Then you're so, done. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, then you got to stand on your head and spin yeah. around five times. And, you know, it's the human in us. Yeah. And, and I think it's not just, not even in the good things. I mean, human beings were made straightforward. We were made to desire good things, but we, yeah. we define good things in different ways. And so we devise yeah. many schemes to get the things that we want. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We work hard to be unblessed. <laughs> we really do. Gosh, if you think about it that way, we really, we really do. Maybe we should uh, use a little wisdom. Should, here, Perhaps. All right. So the applying the scripture mm. part, I think this is good. And I think this is all we're really promised. If we think about the uh, Sermon on the Mount, you know, God knows what you need. Your your purpose is to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Right. That's it. And so Kohela's quest, that second paragraph under applying the scripture, Kohela's quest for a good life seems to end with the blessing of just having enough to eat, drink, and enjoying the work of your hands. Yeah. I think anything more than that probably leads you astray. Anything less than yeah. that leads you astray. Um, what yep. is I forgot the scripture passage? Don't let me be so rich that I might forget my God, and then don't let me be too poor that I might dishonor God by stealing. Yeah, so yeah, um, I think that's where we're at there. Um, I agree. I think it's just again, it all goes back to balance, it all goes back to that balance, you know, to enjoy 
the good gifts that God has given us, that he has called us to be stewards of these good gifts and to bless others with things that we're blessed with and to love and respect God with everything that we have. So we'll end this by asking, I'm just, I don't know if there's not a right or wrong answer yeah. to this discussion question, but I would be curious, how does an internal perspective inform, well, first, do you think Kohel's writing would be different if he knew the promises of Christ and how? And then does an eternal perspective inform our life in this world? We've already answered the second part of that. Yeah. But just to ask, I mean, how do you think Kohel would write differently if he knew the promises? I think he would. I think that was his struggle through the whole thing is that he was really trying to understand how God's perspective and human perspective how the two work together. And I think if he understood the promises of Christ, he would have that. He would have that answer like we have that answer today. I don't know how different. I don't know. I kind of think about how different it would be. Like, I think he was writing for a certain reason. I think he did that. I mean, maybe Mm -hmm. it would just, I think he would certainly look at things from an eternal perspective if he knew the promises of Christ. And then maybe he'd be less hard. But I mean, generally speaking on this earth, I don't know. He might've redone the whole day of death is better but i don't know if he would like i said if he had the right because that one i mean really if if the day of death is better if he had that eternal perspective that wouldn't change because the day of death would be better because now now you have the eternal perspective of i'm I'm gonna be in heaven and how much more amazing is that gonna be none of the conclusions would change i don't think so Um, so. but you might be a little more cheery about it yeah maybe not quite so pessimistic because he, he could offer be hope. Okay, so then I, at least, well, of course, we, we finish up the next week in the fall. Yeah. It'll be the end of the matter is the name of the lesson. Um, I think maybe you could anchor joy at the end of it. There you go. Whereas here, you're just anchoring it into fear God, keep your commandments, mm-hmm. you know, and that's yeah. the best you get. So they don't have that unimaginable experience in, in mind. No. When, when life that passes. unspeakable joy that we get from knowing Christ that hope that we have from knowing Christ. Those are things that are missing, I think, from, from this perspective. Yeah, I think so. yeah. All right. You want to end us with anything? Day in the Park's coming up. Yeah, Day in the Park's coming up yeah. October the 4th, 10 to 12, Montgomery Bell State Park. Mm-hmm. Um, Woosley Women, under- remember um, to nominate your ladies in your church. We would love to hear from you. Um, you can always email me at rzardi at cumberland.org with that information. We want to put that put that out there. Um, Presbytery time's coming up for a yeah. lot of Presbyteries. Um, so prayers for everything that you all have going on. Yeah, I'll be at five Presbyteries this coming schedule. Oh, my so goodness. So I know I'm going to see my peeps in Cumberland Presbytery. I think I'm going to see my peeps at, oh, I can't remember my schedule. But I'll see a lot of you, you, and I look forward to it. Yeah. So so may the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen. See you next time.